had my cousin Ingrid staying this week, mm-hmm. um, which has been, which was like really nice. Not for any particular, I mean, like she literally lives 15 minutes down the road, but we were just like sleepover this yeah. week. Why not? Um, one of the benefits of actually having like family who are close in age, living close by, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. And every morning that Percy walked into the living room and saw her, she was like shocked and new. <laughs> Like you're still here, like and and would and Ingrid would like open the living room door and be like, "Morning, do you want to come in?" And Percy would just step like, like shock, horror, betrayal, <laughs> disgust, contempt. Like then she would come back to the room to me as if to be like, "You know that she's still she, here." She didn't go. She she didn't leave when we went to bed. She stayed. <laughs> she just like honestly could could not, and like would just I and I don't know if she was like. Persephone has such a permanently sort of like indignant face. Like she has resting indignant face. And so there were times where Ingrid would be like, what is your problem? Because the cat would just be staring at her, like glaring. And I'm like, I think she's just curious about you. (laughs) I don't think it's meant to be um, antagonistic. Yeah. But like, she does seem that way. (laughs) She does seem antagonistic. Um, But it was, it it has been funny. It reminds me of when, like, the first day, or, like, the first time, when Cricket first showed up, Crumb and Mm. Cricket were, like, loving it. They played all day nonstop. They were, like, so excited. And then, like, the second day, Crumb was still having fun, but he he was worn out, I think. And he kept kind of looking, like, but Cricket was still trying to play. And Crumb was, like, he kept looking at us, like, hey, it's cool that he's still here, but, like, um... (laughs) Is his mom going to pick him up or something? Because <laughs> this is kind of a lot. Like it totally, it very much reminded me of like when you have a friend sleep over for too long and you're like, yeah, okay, this was fun. But uh, actually, I do want my room back. Um, you're, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And it was very much this like, cool. Yeah, he seems awesome, but he could come back next week because I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Honestly. So when Cricket showed up, mm-hmm. I know you talked about this on Can I Pet Your Dog? Mm-hmm. Um Oh my god! But I get to actually ask you all the questions <laughs> that I, I that I had when I listened as a listener. When Cricket showed up, did, mm-hmm. so did he just appear outside your back garden? So he he was in the front. So like my there's a I take the dogs out because the front the grass is in the front yard and there's a like fence that has it's like a um a metal gate and mm. so there's like a bar every I don't know probably eight inches like that mm. kind of gate um, and so I was just out with Crumb. And then all of a sudden, Cricket just hopped through because he's so small that he could fit through the little. And I was like, hello, can I help you? Like, why are you in here? I don't understand. Um, And he was really afraid of me. Like, he he was never been that into people, but he just loved Crumb. And so mm. I, at first I tried, I was like, oh, I, I think I have a treat. I'll try and lure him in because he was so skinny. And I was like, well, this dog needs help, obviously. Um, and so I tried to lure him in, but he didn't really care about treats as much as he just followed Crumb in. Like he, mm. so eventually he came inside. And then once he was inside, he warmed up to us. So he's always been the same that he's kind of reactive outside and really sweet inside. And yeah. And why, like, what? Why did why did you take him inside? I just I'm just like 
I love that that was your instinct. Like, it's so you that that was your instinct. Um, it makes total sense. But I just would like to know, like, what you were thinking. Well, he didn't have a collar on. He was so skinny that mm. I was like, I mean, this dog's going to die. Like, he's, mm. he's not healthy. He's clearly not meant to live on the streets. Like, something happened. Um, so it was like, I'll just try and find either if he has a home, I'll ch- try and figure out where he's supposed to go or like, you know, do, I'll figure something out, but I just can't, I can't just like, I, I don't know. The other option is what? I just push him back out the fence and go like, yeah, get out of here. So yeah. At the time, it kind of seemed like the only option. I was like, all right, well, I got to get this dog inside. (laughs) No, it does. It's just, I still can't quite get over the fact that like you, both of your dogs, you just found them like and maybe I don't know maybe it is more maybe it's more common in LA it just isn't a thing like stray dogs are so rare in London wow really yeah stray cats quite common sure obviously we have foxes stray dogs I I genuinely don't think I've I'm in not in my memory have I ever seen just a dog wandering around without a collar um If, wow. I, if they are, there's normally an, a, a frantic owner running behind them screaming. <laughs> like, it, it just isn't a thing. So, and it may be in other parts of the UK, but yeah, it. I just, the fact that both of your dogs, you stumbled across mm-hmm. yeah, like that. It's, like, cr- Crumb was a little bit rarer. You don't see puppies very often. Yeah, But, but stray yeah. dogs are, like, so normal. I don't, it's sad. I mean, it's. Really? Above, oh, yeah. Do you, so do you just see stray dogs quite often? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never see. Listeners, if any of you are from London or UK based, please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I just, I never ever, because I'm always shocked by it when I go away mm-hmm. and I'm in countries where there are lots of stray dogs. Mm-hmm. And then I come back to London and it's just not really a thing. But yeah, maybe in other parts of the UK, but I, I don't know. The, yeah. the British love their dogs, don't they? Like, I wonder why. Being, I don't know. Because also, also, like, people do call, like, the, um, Humane Society and we'll have them like yeah. t- taken. But like sometimes it's like there are just some dogs that just keep evading it and then they're just they're just little street dogs. They totally you know? I just wonder if there's something material in like legislation or just something that Oh yeah that- m- means that there are more or that there are more because we have sh- we've we've got shelters here, but even our shelters that we don't have as many shelters as you guys. They don't yeah, we just don't have as many as many shelters. Yeah, I wonder if maybe it's down to like better um, like spaying and neutering practices, though. Also, they're just mm, less. Maybe, yeah. You know. Yeah, quite possibly. I don't know though, because like I know like the other thing, a thing that I I've always been like really aware of is it's really hard to rescue a dog in in London, particularly in this or in the south of England. It's really hard, like. You got, for example, with Battersea Dogs Home, they have all these like things, which is which is good. Yeah. Like uh, it's good that they're thorough and rigorous. Mm-hmm. But with Battersea Dogs Home, for example, you're not allowed to rescue a dog unless you have a car, um, wow. and like stuff like that. Like, or you, or maybe you can not have a car, but you have to pick up your dog in a car. Like there are all wow. these like stipulations, and like they won't let you rescue most of the time if you're not an experienced owner. Um, a lot of the dogs, especially, it's specific like this dog can't live in the city or this dog right. has to be in the country, stuff like that. So I, yeah, I've just, I've noticed a lot of, like I've had a lot of friends and have seen a lot of like people on social media because I follow a lot of influencers with dogs, literally because I went through a period where <laughs> I was um, 
men- mentally not well. Yeah. And just literally like put into YouTube new puppy vlog. And then just followed a bunch of influencers yeah, yeah. like getting puppies, get or picking up dogs <laughs> for the first time. Because it's honestly like immediate serotonin. Yeah. Like I can't stress enough how happy it made me. But a lot of them were saying in these videos, you know, we really wanted to rescue, but it's so it's like adopting a baby. You yeah. get put on wait lists. They're really strict. So it's just it's really interesting to me that that's the case. Yeah, and there the, are degree yeah, like there are rescues and stuff that are more strict. Like. Mm. The, the Humane Society is easier to get a dog from um, just because they have so many, too, that they're like, yeah. if you like this dog and you want it, go take it, please. But yeah. um, there are like more specific rescues and stuff that do have like full things you have to like proof of, you know, you have to provide like how much space you have outside and show photos mm. and like show that you, you know, or have experience with dogs. And like some, I think, even re- require like a proof of income just to be like, mm. You know, think, if something think, happens, you can you yeah. can take care of it. Yeah, that's actually an excellent segue into mm-hmm. talking about today's guest. It because is because I think most vets would agree that it is prudent to ensure that should something happen to your pet, that you can provide for them, mm-hmm. uh, and none more so than the amazing Doctor Douglas Mader. Yeah, we have a, a wonderful interview, and um, he's so cool. He's got a million stories, so we should just jump into it. All right, everyone, we are here with Dr. Douglas Mader, but we're going to call him Doug because that's more fun. Uh, he is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital, and many other books. Um, and he's also an incredible vet with one million animal stories, and we're so delighted to have him on the show. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks so much, Ella. And Alexis, it's quite an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh. No, it's so great to have you. We've got so much to ask you yeah. about your time as a vet and how you got there and, and everything. Um, so, I mean, to start with, why why veterinary science? Have you always been an animal lover or like talk us through the beginning of that journey? Um, well, it's, it's a little convoluted. Uh, I was born in the Florida Keys, which is where I live now after 50 years I came back and uh, our house is on a small island and it was backed up to a mangrove swamp and when I was a really little kid my brother used to take me out to the swamp and we used to you know collect frogs and snakes and birds and things and that's kind of how I fell in love with animals and then when I was in in uh, high school I really liked sciences and there was a particular television show about a doctor that I liked and so I thought you know I want to be a doctor that would be really cool. But also I was in high school and I was a young male and my older sister liked horses. And so one day I went out with her to the stable just to see her horse. And I noticed there were a lot of really cute girls that hung out with horses. And I go, hmm, this is pretty cool. So then I started going out with my sister and I was an annoyance, I'm sure, because I was just a little brother. But then I noticed that all these cute girls were like swooning over the blacksmith, the village blacksmith that would shoe their horses. And I go, you know what? I can do that. I can shoe horses too. So I was 15 years old. So I took all my money and I moved away from home and I went to Farrier's College and I became a blacksmith. So then I moved back oh home God. and started my own business and started shoeing horses. And then just as I expected, all the young girls started coming up and watching me shoe the horses. And it's like, hey, this is pretty darn cool. And what was neat about that is then it morphed into the local veterinarian would come out to take care of the horses that were sick. And he'd say, Hey, can you make me a special shoe for this horse? Because it's not walking right. 
And so I was able to work with the veterinarian and make custom shoes and take these horses that were on their way to the glue factory mm -hmm. and make them walk again. Oh, and I'm thinking, wow. wow, this is really cool. You know, I can actually help these animals. Then I said, you know what? I don't need to be a veterinarian and kill myself the rest of my life. I'm going to be, I'm, excuse me, I don't need to be a blacksmith and kill my back the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm going to be a veterinarian. So that's how I made the transition from medicine into veterinary world. That's so cool. Also, we have a soft spot on this podcast for horse girls. So I really like that it all started with a horse girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I still have a thing for cowgirls in, in boots. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> um, so then did you have pets? Obviously, your sister had horses, but do you have pets growing up? Um, yes and no. My father was military and super strict. And so he always felt like if you have a dog or a cat, it lives outside. Mm -hmm. And he ended up getting transferred to Vietnam. Um, and when he was shipped to Vietnam, our family being a military family got moved to a military base in Hawaii, which is where most of the soldiers were being sent from during the Vietnam era. And so when he left, the good news is that he let my mom get a dog for protection, mm. which thinking back on it, I have to laugh because the dog was probably 10 pounds soaking wet, but <laughs> it made her feel better that she wasn't alone with my yeah. father being away fighting in the army. Yeah. And so that was our first real experience to having an indoor pet. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. My dad to the day, almost to the day he died, he hated animals. Oh, and wow. Yeah. I mean, he thought I was wasting my, my life and my career being a veterinarian. And long story short, when he hit about 79, my mom was 78, she passed away. And she, she kept dogs. So even though when he came back from the army and he retired, um, he let her keep a dog, but he always hated dogs. So when she passed away, he inherited her dog. And of course, by this time, I had grown up and moved away, but he kept her dog. And all of a sudden, here's this man who was like the man of steel. I mean, he fought in World War II, Korea, and two tours in Vietnam. And just as tough as nails, nothing ever upset him. And not a nice person. We never got along. All of a sudden, he had this dog. And this dog changed his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, he was. Th this was a person that I really hated. Yeah. And all of a sudden... He got this little dog that he inherited from my mom by default when she passed away. And he would call me all the time, you know, the dog burped or the dog, you know, didn't eat its <laughs> dinner. What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And all of a sudden, that little dog renewed this relationship that I never had with my father. Mm. Mm. And it just goes to show you how how the impact that the that pets have in our lives, that human animal yeah. bond is so strong. Yeah. And so yeah. here's this man who I'm sure has probably killed more people than you and I would ever know um, in the military. And I can't even yeah. imagine because he wouldn't talk about his war stories mm -hmm. and nothing fazed him. When his dog finally got older and he was about 85 years old, um, I lived in Florida. He lived in, he still lived in Hawaii mm -hmm. and not being disrespectful, but at the, at the time there were no board specialists, board specialists in Hawaii, none. Mm -hmm. And I'm at this time, I was a boarded specialist in Florida and I had my own referral practice. And when his dog got sick, he took it to his veterinarian. His veterinarian took pictures, x-rays. Of course, this is before the digital world. So he took mm. x-rays and sent me the x-rays. And 
I knew what was wrong with this dog. I could have helped this dog. But even if I had flown to Hawaii, there was no facility there that had the equipment that I could use. Mm. And the dog was too sick to fly to Florida. And his dog died. Yeah. You know, mm. it had cancer. It died. So I, I, and I felt so castrated and hopeless that I couldn't help my father with his dog. And he cried. Yeah. Here's mm. this man of steel who'd been in all these wars and <sighs> nothing phased him. Um, and he just broke down and cried. Mm. And it just goes to show you how significant pets are in our yeah. lives. Mm. And not to make you cry or make <laughs> me cry, but he was far away. And <laughs> I think he would have lived forever, but he slipped in the, in the shower and fell and hit his head. They took him to the hospital and he ended up getting pneumonia in the hospital. Wow. My older, older sister, the one that had the horse, um, called me and said, you need to get out here ASAP because dad is fading fast. So I jumped on a plane in Florida, flew all the way to Hawaii. I made it to the hospital. He saw me come in. He was kind of surprised. And he goes, you know, he goes, I understand why you do what you did. Wow. And he goes, I'm glad you're a vet. Wow. So, and then wow. he passed away about 10 minutes after that. Oh, oh my, my God. So that's, is that the last thing, the last conversation you had with your dad was him saying he gets it? No, he said, he goes, I'm glad you became a veterinarian. And then he said, I love you. And he passed away. Wow. Oh, Sorry. But no, no. No. I mean, just. But uh, that dog. Yeah. Made such a difference in his life and in our lives. I mean, it brought us together after all those years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's something. It, it's ironic that this, but there's something so profoundly human about the, our relationship with animals, like the ability that they have to bond a family, to encourage people to show emotion that they would not have felt comfortable showing. You know what I mean, like to to have seen what your dad had seen and done the things that he had done, and for it to be a a a, a dog. I suppose there's something about the innocence of them as well. Like they're reliant on us and they love you so unconditionally. Um, yeah. But that's, that's so profound. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So, didn't mean to be a downer there. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I think it's no, the exact it's... kind of story we love from the show though. Absolutely. It, those are the kind of, that, yeah, those are the stories that are the reason that we do this show. I think there's, yeah. I, I mean, that's, I'm almost been doing this for almost four decades now. And that's the reason I, I, I still love what I do. And that's why I get up every morning is so I can prolong that human animal bond. Yeah. Mm. And it's, you know, it's not just about dogs or cats or rabbits or the canary in the cage that the little old lady has. I mean, the human animal bond, I, I do, I'm, I'm triple boarded now and I'm boarded in dog and cat medicine. I'm boarded in zoo medicine and I'm boarded in specifically reptile medicine because I do a lot of work with sea turtles and alligators and things like that. And again, I'll show you another sad story, but it just, it just shows you the importance of this human animal bond. About five years ago, we had a horrible, horrible hurricane come through the Island where I live called hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. We evacuated and I took my dogs, my cats, my bird, uh, my snakes, my frog, my turtles. I had to leave my fish behind and I had a huge fish tank. Uh, and I set up, backup filters and backups to the backups and battery backups to that. And, you know, you, you can't evacuate with a 150 gallon tank. You just can't do it. <laughs> well, we left, we came back, we came back, everything was gone. We lost everything. Oh, I mean, literally everything. Um, oddly enough, the aquarium was still in the shell of the house. Um, 
and the, they were still watering it because it did have a lid on it. But of course, it had gone five days without power or oxygen, and all my fish were dead. Mm. And to this day, that will haunt me until the day I die yeah. because I had some of those fish for over 10 years. Mm. And you know what? You don't sit on a couch and hold a fish in your lap and watch TV. But every day, I took care of that anim- those animals and I fed them. And you look in and you see them, and they look out, they see you, they know me. And, you know, again, the human animal bond, it doesn't have to be a dog or a cat. It can be mm-hmm. something as a fish. I get home from work. I put my keys on the wall and I go over and I talk to my fish as I'm feeding them. And I tell them about my day and the cases that I had. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, it sounds really silly, no. but if you love animals, you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, and absolutely. Losing those absolutely. fish, that was the hardest thing I've ever mm-hmm. lost. All yeah. the pictures, everything else I lost, that's just stuff. But those are animals yeah. that depended on me and I let them down. Yeah, I think that feeling is is part of it too, where it's just like, uh, I, I you made it like, it's that feeling of like, no, I, I promised to take care of you and I couldn't. And that feels yeah, so bad. Yeah, 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 exactly. I failed them. Um, you know, and yeah. It does uh, prompt my next question though, is uh, what pets you currently have? <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have three tortoises. Um, two that I've had forever that I adopted from clients that couldn't afford their vet bills and wanted to put them to sleep. And I said, I, I'm a bad businessman. I said, no, I yeah. said, no give them to me. I'll fix them. I'll give yeah. them home. Uh, one of them is 37 years old. Oh. Um, I have a tortoise that I adopted after that horrible hurricane, somebody else who lost everything. He had, he had evacuated with his tortoise. He came back, didn't have a house, didn't have no place to live. He goes, what am I going to do with my tortoise? And I says, well, I'll adopt it. I said, you know, I, I still have my tortoises that I, I evacuated with and I have a place to keep them. So he gave me it. So I have a, a very young tortoise that's five and then these older ones that are in their 30s. Two dogs that I rescued from shelters, two cats that I rescued, a bird that I got from the divorce that will probably outlive all of us. Um, <laughs> a frog that I named after my best friend who died of a stroke. Um, and two snakes. Wow. Okay. Wow. This- How do you evacuate with tortoises and snakes and... <laughs> Because I'm I just, I'm imagining SUV. you with, ah. right, okay, because I was imagining you with, like, suitcases full of animals, like Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> we have, um, I had just built a brand new hospital, and the hospital was built for a Category 5, mm-hmm. but you have to wow. understand, it's not yeah. just the winds. When a Category 5 comes in, there's 18 foot, 20 foot of surge, mm-hmm. and so we, the hospital survived, it did fine. In fact, when we moved back, we didn't have a house, and neither did most of my employees, so most of my employees and my wife and I, who's also a veterinarian, we all lived in the hospital for about four months until we for- sorted out where we were going to live. Um, so how we evacuated, we just loaded everything up in carriers and put them in my mm. SUV and drove up. And I'll shout out to Hilton. The Hilton in Orlando opened up their doors to anybody evacuating with pets. Aww. They normally don't allow pets. And they said, if you're coming from a evacuation zone, you can bring your pets. Wow, so we had great. the tortoises, the birds, the snakes, <laughs> the cats, uh, all in a room in the Hilton up in Orlando for four days. I love to imagine that they were like, this is not what we had in mind when we yeah. said pets were okay, but all right. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not their ideal road trip. That's for sure. Um, how, wow. how big are the tortoises? Um, I have one that's about 30 pounds, one that's about 25 pounds, and then the baby is probably about two pounds. Wow. Okay. Oh, so cute. (laughs) That's so cute. But also just what an amazing sense of community that you've clearly fostered doing your work. You know, the idea of all of you living in this hospital together is 
strangely wholesome despite the circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I have not surrounded myself with fantastic, c- considerate, caregiving, loving, compassionate, you know, em- employees and associates mm. for the last four decades. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when the hurricane hit and destroyed everybody's homes, you're not going to turn people out. Like, you know, I had a big hospital. So everybody came in and adopted an exam room and that was their apartment. Wow. And then, of course, you also have to still see clients. So because a lot of the clients lost their homes and their pets were injured or sick and they have no money and no jobs. So, you know, you got to step up when your community needs you. You got to be there for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that brings us on quite nicely to talk a bit about your your book and your kind of life as a vet. So where were you working for, uh, I guess, like the majority of your career? Where have you been? This, it's funny because I started my career as an equine vet. You know, obviously mm. you got that story, right? Mm. So that was what I wanted to do. And so I learned how to fly, excuse me, I learned how to fly through the Air Force when I was young. And my goal was to go to vet school, become an equine veterinarian, get myself an airplane and fly from ranch to ranch to ranch and mm. take care of horses. Kind of like an American version of the James Harriet. And you've probably both heard of the James Harriet classics, you know, all creatures great and small. Yeah. Well, when I was in graduate school, unfortunately, a underage drunken driver was uh, drag racing one of his friends and lost control and ran me over. 11 surgeries and a year later, um, I just didn't have the strength to work with horses anymore. And going into vet school, my whole... My whole mantra was two things. I'm never going to live in a big city and I'm never going to work in, on, in dogs and cats. <laughs> so what ended up happening? I moved to LA and I had a dog and cat hospital. So I always, always had this passion for the weird exotics. Because remember mm. I mentioned I was, I was born in the Florida Keys and I grew up near a swamp. Mm. And so when so I was cool. recovering from this car accident, I spent a lot of time volunteering at the zoo ward because I just had to keep my mind active to get my mind off the pain and all the surgeries I was going through. And so I realized, you know, hey, if I'm catching this crocodile or this rhinoceros or this lion, A, I'm going to have some help, and B, we're going to sedate it. (laughs) It's not like catching a big horse that wants to rear up and kick me in the head. You know, we're going to sedate these animals, and I'll always have help. So I started working more and more with the exotics. um, And then when my friend and I moved to Los Angeles, uh, we wanted to be near the water. We wanted to work with exotic species because we liked exotic pets. Back then, nobody was really teaching exotic animal medicine. So a lot of what we learned was trial and error. I hate to say mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of how it morphed. But I like wow. to teach and I like to write. I've always liked to write. And if you're going to teach and you're going to write, you're going to sponsor students. You got to know the stuff better than everybody else. So that's the premise behind the book was whole book takes place over the course of a year and it happens to be the year that I applied for credentialed and then studied and then sat and took my specialty exam, which is a really extremely rigorous two day examination. And I had to do this all while living in the inner city. And it was at a time that that there was a lot of social unrest. Sadly, it hasn't changed, you know, Hmm. and and it's across the country and across the world. And, And back then, there was a situation uh, dealing with the arrest of Rodney King, who was beaten by a bunch of police officers. And it just was caught on videotape and it went viral. And it just created a very difficult time for everybody living in the community because 
the whole situation was stressful for everybody. Uh-huh. And so trying to deal with living in the inner city and dealing with the social stresses and, you know, maintaining a, an employees and keeping them happy and studying for the boards, it was quite an experience. So the whole thing happened over the course of a year. Wow. Wow. And so in that year, I mean, I'm just, I don't even, I've, I've so much to ask you. I don't even know where to start. You must have seen such a wide variety of pets and problems and people. Um, it was, it was really interesting. I mean, yeah. yes, um, where <laughs> yeah. my hospital was, it was right on the cusp of the very poor part of town and the very wealthy part of town. So for instance, the governor of California was one of my clients and, <laughs> you know, two, two blocks in the other direction, I had clients coming in that could barely afford shoes for their children. Mm. And so we saw a wide variety of, of clientele. But, you know, the, the thread of the book is the human-animal bond. Mm. And it's interesting. I don't care what walk of life you come from, what God you believe in or don't believe in, how much money you have, that human-animal bond is so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, you can meet somebody from another country that you've never met before and you start talking about animals. And if you find out that they have animals, you become instant friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, we that's all love animals. Why well, most Ella of us and I are friends. Like, yeah, literally why Alexis and I are friends. It's a great icebreaker, you know? Tell yeah. me about yeah. your pets. Yeah. Um, I, I took my boards because I took the boards in dog and cat medicine because I like to teach. And at the time, as I mentioned, there wasn't a lot written or known about exotic animal pets. And when I, I noticed when I would go teach or write articles that the dog and cat specialists would kind of look down on me mm-hmm. because, hey, you're not a boarded specialist, you know, we mm-hmm. are. Right. So I said, fine. <laughs> I went out and I studied and I got my board certification in dogs and cats so that I could say, yes, I am a boarded specialist, but I also like canaries and rabbits and snakes and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, we saw, I also maintained my love for wildlife. I worked a lot with the local Fish and Wildlife Commission and did all the wildlife work for city, in the city for free. And yes, there are things like foxes in the city and coyotes and hawks and stuff like that. So yeah, we saw everything from your, your typical dog and cat patients to emus, to pigs, to eagles, oh, to wow. foxes, uh, lions, I mean, you name it. After I got board certified, um, my reputation just went through the roof and I started getting a lot of uh, movie star clients Mm -hmm. and I can't mention names um, for privacy reasons, but I mean, some of them, uh, one singer in in particular only wore one glove um, (laughs) and I used to take care of his animals and a fascinating individual. And, And I mentioned I was a pilot. And so he lived up in the Santa Barbara area. So I lived in the south side of Los Angeles. So I would take my students and we'd hop in a plane and we would. You're a pilot as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you have the time to do all of this studying and work? And that's amazing. You just dropped that in so casually as well. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a pilot. Like (laughs) I I mentioned earlier, I, I learned to fly in the Air Force years and years ago. So I would fly up to this guy's ranch and we would spend the day up there taking care of his animals and then fly home at night. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Wow. That is so cool. Did you, were there ever any particular cases, obviously feel free to admit like any identifying details, but were there ever particular cases where you kind of came away thinking, yeah, this is, this is, this is why I do this. 
Like, did you was there was there a day or a moment in particular where you kind of I don't know well, you treated know someone's that's animal? That's a really and... good question. But why I do it is the human animal bond, and it's, mm. it's it's different every day. I mean, I, mm. I I hear a lot of the young veterinarians bless their hearts. So like, oh, I don't know if I would do this again. It's so stressful. I've been doing it for forty years. Yeah. And mm. if I had to do it all over, I would do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. I love getting up in the morning and, and I love promoting and prolonging that human animal bond. And yeah. just like the story with my father, you know, um, it's so mm. profound and it makes such a difference. And it's so important in all of our lives. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more incredible stories from Dr. Doug Meter. You probably already have a favorite animal. Maybe it's a powerful apex predator like the tiger or a cute and cuddly panda. And those are great, but have you considered something a little more unconventional? Could I perhaps interest you in the Greenland shark, which can live for nearly 400 years? Or maybe the jewel wasp who performs brain surgery on cockroaches to control their minds? On Just the Zoo of Us, we review animals by giving them ratings out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Listen with friends and family of all ages to find your new favorite animal with Just the Zoo of Us on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Hello, I'm a stuffy dowager countess. Travis? I'm judging everybody's manners. Oh, no. Schmanners isn't judgy. It's about teaching you to be your best self and be a little more confident when you enter social situations that you don't understand, and maybe also teach you a little bit about history you didn't know, or give you interesting things to talk about at parties. Yeah, like The Secret Life of Emily Post. Or like why wristwatches are the way that they are. We can talk about table manners from the Victorian era. Sure, or what it's like to attend a Regency Ball. Yeah. Uh, You can find all that and more if you listen to Schmanners on Maximum Fun, or wherever your podcasts come from, I guess. Manners, schmanners. Get it? What was, yeah. your, what was your specific question? Is there one particular one that I remember? Yeah, I, I guess I'm wondering if there was a particular case or a particular um, pet and person that you saw or treated and came away feeling like just like it was a rem- like a reminder of why you do it, but I, I don't know. It's, it's it sounds like all of them are. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean every success, every success, you always do the happy dance, you know. But people ask me all the time, you know, what, you know, how many animals have you saved? And I've probably treated God, tens of thousands of animals in, in four decades. I don't remember them all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. I remember some of the real amazing victories, mm-hmm. but the ones that I I will never forget are the ones that I've lost. Yeah. Mm. They, they stay with me and I still think wow. about them. And it's like, sometimes you, you don't sleep for days and it's like, what could I have done differently? How could I have handled this differently? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Really? But you've got to try and focus on all the good that we do, although of it's course. hard because you veterinarians are generally very caring people. And when you lose a patient, it hurts, mm-hmm. you know, mm. it's hard. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something happy. No, yeah, well, that's... So, <laughs> I was gonna one ask. of my favorite patients and clients that I will never ever forget was I got a weird house call one day. This lady's Congo eel, fire eel, was sick. Her eel? 
Yeah, Congo fire eel. They're from Incredible. The Congo. <laughs> Incredible. And I had never even seen one. And this was before the days of the internet. So I had to dig out my biology books and look it up. And they're, they're an electric eel. You know, they have an electric charge in there from the Congo. And so I went to her house and she had this eel living in her bathtub. And I walked in. I, was, I had some senior veterinary students with me. And I was kind of incredulous. And I was asking her, I go, how do you know it's sick? She goes, well, it's not eating. So how long have you had it? She goes, I've had it 16 years. And I said, well, where have you kept it? She goes, well, I've always kept it in the bathtub. She goes, I saw it at a pet store one day and I just thought it was really cute. And I bought it on an impulse. I know that was wrong of me, but I brought it home. And I didn't have an aquarium. So I put it in the bathtub and this is where it's lived ever since. And it was 16 years old. And if you ask me how long do Congo fire eels live, I don't know that anybody really has that answer because yeah, not yeah. a lot of people keep them as pets. <laughs> and so I said, well, what's wrong? She goes, it's not eating. So I gave it an exam. I looked at it and I noticed its heart was swollen. You're going to laugh, but <laughs> but I, I told her, I said, you know, I said, I think your, your eel may be in heart failure. Mm. And she goes, really? Can we help it? I says, well, I, I need to do a couple of tests. So she let me take the eel back to my hospital and I did an ultrasound. And just like you would do on a person with heart failure, a dog or a cat. Yeah. And, you know, let's be honest. I don't have a lot of Congo fire eel heart ultrasound experience. <laughs> mm. There are no many people who do. <laughs> so mm. I looked mm. at it and I'm thinking, okay, if this were a dog, you know, what's going on? So I did kind of come to the conclusion that it was in heart failure. And I did some digging and 16 seemed to be pretty old for a fire eel. <laughs> This woman was so, she was in her 70s. She was so oh. bonded to that animal. Oh. And her biggest fear was that it would die in the hospital. And unfortunately, it, it passed away. And, you know, I mean, she was very understanding. And we tried giving it some medications that we would use in a dog or a cat. But who knows? I yeah. mean, I'll give you a good example. Okay. I, I, I love human doctors because I'm alive. I'm talking to you today because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a team of human doctors to put me back together again like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> But they only have to study one species. They yeah, study people. Yeah. You know, veterinarians, we study lots and lots and lots. And I'll give you a good example. Both of you at some time in your life, when you back when you were little kids and you had strep throat, you probably got penicillin. Okay? Mm -hmm. Common antibiotic. You give penicillin to a guinea pig, bam, they're dead just like that. Mm, so yeah. Every species is different. And so treating this Congo fire eel, who knows? I may have given it something that put it over the edge. Mm, but right. I had to try. The woman was very appreciative. Yeah. And so I'll, I will never forget her or that eel. Are there, um, because, you know, you've had the opportunity to interact with a lot of animals that most people have not gotten the opportunity to do so. Are there any, um, like, animal personalities that have surprised you? Um, okay. I think I can answer that. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> my residency was in primate and zoo medicine. And primates, of course, are just... To, they're so human-like. They, they yeah. have just amazing intelligence. Um, but one of the animals that I have really come to just bond with, and that's, uh, I'm going to use the general term, the crocodilians. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be the caimans, the crocodiles, the gharials, and the alligators. And keep in mind, an uh, alligator that weighs about five 600 pounds has a brain. I know your listeners can't see it, but... <laughs> If you were to hold up your little finger and look at the very last digit <laughs> on your little finger, that's about the size of the brain in a 600-pound alligator. Wow. Wow. So we all tend to assume that they're just big, dumb dinosaurs, right? <laughs> They've only been around for 8 million years unchanged. But <laughs> I have pictures of 
Uh, in fact, I'm just going to stop my screen. I know your readers can't see it, but see, there's a picture of one yeah. of my cases. Wow. Casper has been one of my, my patients for 20 years. <laughs> and I can go to one of these facilities. So this happens to be a tourist attraction in the Miami area. And there might be 50 alligators in the pond. And the curator can walk up to the pond and say, Daisy. And Daisy will pick up her head. She'll look around and he'll say, Daisy, come over. And Daisy will just come <gasps> walking right over. And so if you ask about animals surprising me, it, it's really amazed me how intelligent some of these animals are that yeah. people just assume are nothing but dumb bumps on a log. Yeah, a yeah. big lizard or so, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what, what dog is behind you? It did a stretch. and I. <laughs> yeah, oh, I that's Aragon. He's my whippet. That I... Excellent name. <laughs> Excellent name. So... Why do you say that? Lord of the Rings. I, okay. Yeah. We, when we adopted him, he came with his name, Aragon. Most of our <laughs> pets are named after places we visited. Like I have London, which is a snake. Aww. I'm sure you would like that. Yeah. I would, um, yes. <laughs> if you look behind me, right there, yeah. I'm pointing to his tank. That's London's tank. Mm. Um, I yes, have Rinka, maybe. which is an island in in Indonesia. Wow. We have Adigan, who is named after a mountain in Alaska. So we have all of our animals mm with the exception of Kevin, who's a frog. And I named after one of my yeah. very good oh, friends right. who was a frog veterinarian. His oh. name was Kevin. He died of a stroke. So I got a new frog and I named yeah. it Kevin. But all my other animals are named after locations, except for Aragon. <laughs> and I'm glad you approve. Yeah. Yeah. He came with his name. <laughs> it's really cute. <laughs> it's also cute in the mix of like, <laughs> here's all these places. And then Aragon. <laughs> and Kevin. And Kevin. I love it's Kevin really is cute. a great name for a frog. Really good. I think so. Yeah. Kevin doesn't do That's anything so except for sit there and look at you. But it, he, I've had him now for seven years. Wow. And so I'm as bonded with him as I am with Aragon. Yeah. It's just what, I don't sit and watch TV with Kevin. <laughs> yeah. What of kind course. of frog is Kevin? He's called a Pac-Man frog. He's, he, they, they're round, but about half of them is mouth. <laughs> and they're sitting weight predators. So they sit in one spot and they wait for a mouse to walk by. Then they jump out of their hole, eat the mouse, and then go back in their hole. <laughs> Wow. So he eats about one mouse every two weeks. Wow. So he, he's incredible. big wow. then. Yeah, he's the uh, size of a softball. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. He's a big frog. Kevin's bigger than I was picturing. That, yeah, me too. That's a big frog. <laughs> fingers anywhere near his mouth. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, he's eating, eating mice. So oh, it's got to be some up. They're really cute, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll post a picture of, of this particular frog for everybody to see. Um, <laughs> I'll email you a copy of Kevin. Please yes. do. Yeah, you're going to have to email us pictures of all of your animals. Yes. It's really, it's it's very important that we see. <laughs> you got it. As a So as a vet, are there, I mean, because I, I imagine being a vet must be a bit like when you have that one doctor friend and you're always texting them with like your, your problems and things. <laughs> do you get that? Or are all your friends always messaging you and calling you like, the dog did this, the cat did this, the rabbit did this? Every day, <laughs> every day, all day long. But you know what? If I've got a skill set that can help them in some way, that's what friends are all about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When there's a scene in the book where I am on the airplane traveling to Boston to go take my test. And of course, my stress level is beyond the red zone. Mm -hmm. And this woman sits down next to me. And I, I never tell people that I'm a veterinarian on an airplane because if I do, then they all tell me some horror story, how they took their pet to the vet and spent $10,000 and it died anyway. Yeah. So usually, yeah. usually I tell people I'm a welder because nobody <laughs> wants to talk to a welder. 
<laughs> yeah. What do you say to a welder? Oh, oh, you're a welder? Oh, that's nice. Cool. Thanks for um, fixing so, the fence. <laughs> but there's a scene in the book where this woman sits down next to me and starts talking to me, and she just needed to talk. So I was like, okay. And so it was probably, it was good for her, and it was probably good for me because it chilled me out a little bit on my way to take this big test. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know what? I don't call my neighbor that's a plumber and say, hey, come fix my toilet. But if he wants to call me because his dog is sick, I'm happy to help. Yeah. 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 Sure. Is there anything as a vet you wish pet owners would do or would know or would think about or? Yeah, there is. You know, the human animal bond is is extremely important. And I, I am proud to say that in my entire career, I've never turned anybody away. Even if they couldn't afford it, I would work with them as much as I could to help them and help their pet. But anybody who adopts a pet or takes a pet in, they need to be responsible. They need to be the steward. And they need to understand that at some point in their life, that pet may get sick and may require expenses. Mm -hmm. And so I try and encourage people. Now, when I first started, they didn't have pet insurance. So I've always encouraged people to start a little bank account for their pet. So in the event that something goes wrong with Fluffy and he or she needs to go to the hospital, they've got some money to help out. And nowadays, there are multiple companies that offer pet insurance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of human insurance companies have like riders. So like mm -hmm. you get insurance for your house for an extra, whatever, 50 bucks a year, you can get pet insurance. I'd recommend it. You know, and people go, oh, I can't afford insurance. I'll tell you what, that 50 bucks is a lot less than if Fluffy gets hit by a car and needs $3,000 worth of orthopedic yeah. surgery. It yeah. could be the difference yeah. between life and death. So yeah. if I have one piece of advice, I'd strongly recommend you make some proactive effort to plan for your pet's health care. And then another piece of advice, and this isn't so much for dogs and cats, although it is, um, but people like me that have animals like my tortoises and my bird that will long outlive me. Mm -hmm. um, you need to plan that in your estate. Mm -hmm. So I'm 65. I'd like to live for another 20 years. My bird's going to live another 40 or 50. So I wow. need to make sure that I've got that taken care of. Same thing with my tortoises so that when I die, all of a sudden, whoever my probate is goes, oh, what am I going to do with this stupid bird? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. What, uh, what kind of bird do you have, by the way? I have a macaw, okay. a green wing macaw. I oh. love macaws. Yes, <laughs> they've they've got so much personality. Oh, they do. They do. She's she's. I've had her longer than I've had my wife. And um, <laughs> when my wife's around, she's very protective of me. Um, oh, really? <laughs> and then when I leave, then my wife can go and pet her and talk to her. But if I'm home, my wife can't touch her. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Very dynamic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she knows what she likes. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's a really good point. Pet insurance, God, what a lifesaver. A friend of mine's cat just had to have life-saving life surgery. Um, actually, she, it was Courtney who was a guest on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, <gasps> Bailey has surgery over the weekend. Whoa. And yeah, God bless his Oh yeah, all good. It was um, a thing that I didn't know, but um, apparently uh, it, like male cats get stones in their like kidney, like bladder mm -hmm. stones or like, right, yeah. Right. And then so, they, what happens is they can't urinate and that can kill them. Yeah, so exactly. That, that's an emergency. So I'm glad our cat's okay. That's good. Yeah. Wow. So he's all good now, but um, it obviously yeah, it's, it's stressful and, but yeah, God bless insurance. Yeah. Because stuff like that you can't, you can't plan for, you know, 
it's like my house. You know, I mentioned we lost a house in the hurricane. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I lived here for 25 years and never had to make an insurance claim. And then all of a sudden a hurricane came and took it all away. And so that's yeah. why you have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we go too far, we do have to ask you the question that we ask every guest, um, which is, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? All right. After hearing my stories, what do you think? I'm guessing some kind of reptile. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably want to come back as an alligator. Yeah. Because everybody yeah. just assumes you're stupid, which is fine. <laughs> I'm not that bright. Um, but they kind of do whatever they want to do. I mean, who's going to mess with an alligator, right? If you yeah. want to sit on the rock in the sun and open your mouth and, you know, just breathe in the beautiful air, who's going to come and tell you to move? So you just yeah. kind of do what you want to do. You want to eat, go catch a fish or something, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. They've been around 8 million years unchanged. They don't really seem to have much of a care in the world and it, they don't get cancer. Mm, um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, really pretty cool yeah. animals. Yeah. And, do we know why? Also, uh, no. And the scientists would love to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, that's so, fascinating. Yeah, it is. They're, they're just, they're fascinating animals for, for all as dumb as they look, they're not. And they have <laughs> yeah. personalities. Um, the picture that I showed you of me with that one patient Casper. Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend you jump in, in a lake with a wild alligator and <laughs> yeah. hold it like that. Yeah. But I mean, I've been working with that animal for over 20 years and I know it and it knows me and it's going to let me in the water with it. Wow. And I can do a complete exam on it and I can pet it and hug it and hold it and swim with it. But somebody else that doesn't know it, I, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. So yes, I would probably come back as an alligator. Yeah. And then I would live a really long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does seem like a nice life also. It seems like a lot yeah. of like uh, floating, like you're on a lazy river. And that's nice. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to go to sleep, you just sink to the bottom of the pond and you sleep yeah. for four or five hours. Yeah. And then you want to wake up, you wake back up, go up, eat a frog. Exactly. Have a know. snack. Yeah. It's nice. It's quite, it's quite warm, isn't it? They're always in really warm locations. That sounds nice. <laughs> Sit in the sun. Definitely temperate areas. They, We had that global warming and climate change. We had that weird freeze. And there were pictures yeah. of alligators in frozen ponds with their noses poked no. through the ice, just their nose out of the ice so they could breathe while they're underneath the frozen ice. Wow. Um, wow. So that's a rarity, but generally, yeah. yes, they like warm water. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, and then will you tell everyone where they can find your book and find more of you? Um, the book is available online, both in Europe uh, on Amazon. I know for I know for a fact that European uh, Amazon carries it. Um, other online booksellers carry it. If you have difficulty finding it, you can go to my website, which is dougmater.com. It's real easy to remember. And then there's a link there where you can order it from multiple places or order it directly from the publisher. So pretty easy to find. Wonderful. Great. Um, let's see. Anything, anything else we're, we're missing, Ella? Any, any questions? No, I mean, I could talk to you all I know, day, I have a million, but... <laughs> Like You've just lived the most one, like, fantastic, colorful, <laughs> interesting existence. I really um, have to admit that I feel very blessed that, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, my father wanted me to be a soldier, go off to war like he did. And it's just not, that's not the person that I was. Mm -hmm. And I took the course that I took, and thanks to hurricanes and drunken drivers and everything else, I ended up where I am today. And yeah. and I am very very blessed. I'm I'm surrounded by 
a beautiful environment. I've got a wonderful wife who's also a veterinarian. So we have a so lot cool. in common. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a great pet family. We don't have children, but you know, I've got pet family. I get to meet people like you that love pets yeah. and I get to make a difference in people's lives. And again, it goes beyond just the dog or the cat. Um, this morning I had to go do pin a wing on a bald eagle. And in this country, the bald eagle is, is the, the bird for the United States. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not somebody's pet. It's, it's, a, it's an animal that flew into a power line. But mm. if I'm able to take my skill sets and fix that animal, and that animal will be releasable and will be able to fly again and will be able mm. to find its mate and have more bald eagles, I feel like I've, I've contributed something. Yeah. So you absolutely I'm just, have. I'm just extremely, really fortunate that I'm able to do yeah. what I do. Yeah. Oh. I have one more question. I have one more question. I have one more question. It, uh, is there an animal that you've not treated or not met that you would really like Ooh, to? That's a good question. Well, have you seen oh, it? I've, I've been, you know, I, my training was in, in zoo animal medicine. And I have worked on a lot of really cool, cool animals. Mm. Um, uh, I'm sure there are. I can't, <laughs> think anything, I can't think of anything right now. Um, but you've treated everything from lions to emus. So. <laughs> oh, lions, emus, whale sharks, sperm whales, uh, wow. you, you name it. And um, I mean, there's some of the, some stuff Shots. from New Zealand that I've never seen that I'd like mm. to see. Mm. And, and, the one place left on my bucket list, believe it or not, is Australia. I've, oh, I've, I've wow. actually gone and done work in Antarctica before. Um, I've been to the North Pole. I've been top of Kilimanjaro. I've been to Galapagos. I've never been to Australia. So You've I, been I to the Galapagos. That's amazing. You got to go. <gasps> that's my like, that's the Galapagos and Madagascar are the two that I'm like, uh, top you, of my bucket list. Like, you need to go Galapagos, oh. the animals there you don't need a fancy camera. You just take your iPhone or your smartphone yeah, yeah. because all the animals are so accustomed to people. You walk right up to them and you can get phenomenal pictures wow. with your smartphone. But yeah, they, I, I, I'm sure there are animals down in down under that I'd, I'd like to see yeah, someday. Yeah. So one of these days I'll get down there. Yeah. It does <laughs> seem cool. like uh, Australia has like, especially because I'm from Arizona originally and I've always kind of felt like they were similar places, but it's like, it's like Arizona on steroids with all their animals. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, bigger and yeah, bigger, more dangerous, more venomous somehow. Yeah. yeah. What are the nine of the ten most deadliest snakes are from Australia or something like that? Yeah, wow. yeah and the rest yeah. were in like my backyard growing up. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so well, much for being our guest. This was so much fun. Uh, this was fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much, Doc. Well, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And it is really an honor for me to be to share this time with you. And if I can ever um, jump on board again sometime down the road, any topic is is pretty much open and oh. be happy to chat with you again. Wonderful. Definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, Ella and I have decided some important information, which is uh, that (laughs) Enchanted? (laughs) Yeah. Enchanted? Enchanted? Yeah. That's That's the name? And the new one is Disenchanted? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've lost my mind throughout the the duration (laughs) of this recording. I don't know any names anymore. (laughs) Um, I I think it's the Thanksgiving movie to watch with your family. It's the the go-to one. Yeah. but I guess if 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 you're not in the states, 
Apparently, it's just you watch that movie in late December because Ella also happened to watch November. it. November. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's OK. You've lost your mind. It's fine. It's gone. It's gone. It's, it's gone. OK. Um, Alexis and I did discover, yeah, that we both watched Enchanted like late last week, um, which is just like a really funny coincidence. So what day weird. did you watch it? Um, it would have been Thursday. Oh, my God. Same. <laughs> That's so weird that we just happened to both randomly watch this really random Disney film. Apparently that's the Thanksgiving movie. We happened to both watch it and um, I I, I say that Alexis is Snow White because she just like, you know, she speaks and her pets appear. But Alexis (laughs) made the point that she's actually Giselle um, singing for all the the rats and the pigeons. Yeah, that's actually me. I don't get Snow cute white the big creatures. City. It's all the like the gross ones, and people are like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> but 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 yeah. she puts them to such good use. Like they become really like sweet and helpful. They're so cute, but mm. they are cockroaches cleaning a bathtub, and some people might not like that. Yeah, no, it, it does slightly turn the stomach to think about. <laughs> but I think what we need to do is watch Disenchanted. We do. And then discuss all the animals that appear in that. Because I'm assuming there are going to be some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the oh my God, the chipmunk. Will the, does oh, the chipmunk yeah. get a reprise? I really hope so. It's a good comfort watch also. It's a good one, yeah. I think, for everyone. Um, Doug was great. Also, Doug was wonderful. I don't want to let that go. Uh, we do have to have him back. Because yeah. I have... We, we had, like, a list of questions. And I don't know how to explain how. We were both, I think, overwhelmed by, like, okay, you've worked with... He would just mention like six animals. Like he'd just be like, oh, I've worked with emus and tigers. And we were like, but wait, I need to hear about that though. Yeah. And I, rewind. I. What do you mean? I need to, I need him back to do like an episode per animal he's worked with. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, is, is, is that unreasonable? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask for him to come back every week and tell us about a new animal. I'm, I think that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. He was so great. Yeah. I think that um, it would be the next time we get him on, we'll let you guys know before and you yeah. can send in some questions for him Ooh, too. That's such a good idea. You know, because then, because I think we'll get a really fun mixture of like, ask your vet stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like my cat smells weird. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Or, <laughs> or um, you know, what is the weight of an emu? Yeah. Egg? Or like, because I I was, I didn't get a chance to ask, but like he's done, you know, surgeries on turtles. And like, do you have to, how does that work with the shell? What do you do with the shell? How does that, like, there's so many things. So, yeah. Yeah, we definitely have to have him back. That's such a good point. Do you remove the turtle from, what does a turtle without its shell look like? I don't, exactly. Well, these are, these are the questions we have for, for, for Doug when he comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Okay. We have merch. We have merch. That's it. We have merch. We have merch. So exciting. We have t-shirts and mugs. Mm-hmm. They're adorable. They're incredibly talented. Alexis B. Preston did the design on them. <laughs> it's you. the cutest thing ever. <laughs> it's just so perfect for this time of year. Yeah. The limbo period between like Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. where you just want to like bed down, eat good food drink hot chocolate be cozy yeah so head over to the max fun store the link is in the bio on Mm -hmm. our instagram page Mm -hmm. um and yeah you can get your t-shirts and your mugs now they'd be great great stocking fillers for christmas guys yeah yeah Yeah. or just buy one for yourself 
You know yeah, what? treat yourself. Treat yourself, but yeah, like get a gift, get one for yourself. Buy two, buy buy six. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I, I my goal with that design was to make it so you don't have to listen to our show to like the mug. <laughs> yeah, which I think you've done. Thank you. I think you've done. I like the idea that it's um it, it's a universally cute image. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That's the goal. Um, and also, uh, yeah, if you are like, I do want that link. Um, our Instagram handle is at Comfort Creatures Podcast. If you're not on there, um, on Twitter we are at C Creatures Pod for now. Uh, we uh, you can email us at uh, Comfort Creatures at MaximumFun org, and we are also on Discord. And it's been really fun on there, and mm-hmm. a lot I've tons of really good pets are being posted. Mm. So definitely join our uh, Discord server where it's a uh, Comfort Creatures podcast. Um, the link sometimes expires, so if it is expired, let me know and I'll send out a new one. But I think you can also search for it in Discord and it'll show up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. I've been Alexis B. Preston. I've been Ella McLeod. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.